This morning, our scripture comes from Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds Finds it, sorry. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Lord God, we pray that As we enter this time where we open your scripture and and look to you, that you would just open our hearts to hear from you. Lord, we know that as your children that we need to hear from our Father. So would you speak to us today, and would you give me words to speak that don't come from me, and would you give us ears to listen that come only through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are in the... uh, the last week, actually, of a sermon series on the parables of Jesus. So this whole winter, we've been looking through at different parables. Uh, and parables are simply this, that it's just a short story that Jesus often used to demonstrate a much larger, much more robust spiritual point, either about the kingdom of God or about his mission and what he was doing. So he's using simple stories, often uh, agricultural ones, but not always, and he's using it to demonstrate, to talk about something much bigger, talk about something much more uh, important that is going on. So we get to what I think is probably one of the most popular ones, one of the most common ones that we hear in churches, uh, this parable of the lost sheep. Uh, again, one that has been so meaningful for so many people uh, over the course of, of all of Christianity, really. But as we get to it, before we get right into the parable itself, and we will, uh, let's talk a minute about the background of the audience Jesus is talking to. So as Jesus gathers people around him to teach, uh, there's different people that are there for different parables. So sometimes it's just Jesus with his disciples, just his closest followers. Other times we hear that a large crowd has gathered. Other times there's uh, kind of a mix where there'll be some people that are kind of part of this large crowd thing, and then there's some teachers of the law or some Pharisees that are kind of standing in the back, also listening. Uh, So that brings us right here to uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It tells us very clearly uh, who Jesus is talking to. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus to hear him. But Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered to themselves, this man, meaning Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So we're given right away two categories of people that have gathered here to hear from Jesus. One is this broad category often used in scripture called tax collectors and sinners. These are people at the edge of society. Uh, Sometimes uh, even in this category, in in their times they would include other social groups. They would include kind of the poor in this sometimes. They would include people who uh, had disabilities, people that 
but for some reason, one way or the other, find themselves on the edge of society. Uh, everyone else is kind of in the core, and they find themselves pushed to the edge. So Jesus, doing things very different than other teachers of his time, has, has sought after those people. The people that are on the edge, he's, he's running after them, and he's with them now. And, and the righteous people, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, are looking at him doing this. They're saying, what is this teacher doing? Haven't you come to be with us? Haven't you come to be with the good people of society? And now, now you're kind of rubbing shoulders with, with these tax collectors and these sinners. And what is Jesus doing? You see, they had this understanding, the, the, these righteous people, that, uh, that sin wasn't just something that was within us. It was something that could almost rub off on someone else. It could stain you, that just by being near people who were, who were this sinful crowd, that that was going to rub off on you. And your own right living before God was going to be compromised by being near to others. Jesus lives life the opposite way. Jesus lives life in a way that, that his own holiness, his own righteousness, uh, is actually what's going to impact them. He's not afraid of, of getting stained from their sin. His, his holiness will, will stain them if you will, but it won't be uh, in the same way. So again, we hear that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're standing in the back. They're watching Jesus teach. And they mutter to themselves. Anytime you read this word muttered to yourself in Scripture, it's not normally a positive thing that you're saying. Uh, Thank you for the one laughter. Cecile. (laughs) You muttered to themselves, this man, they won't even say his name, This man, Jesus, welcomes sinners. And beyond that, he's actually eating with them. What is he doing? Spoiler alert, in case you haven't read the rest of the book. Jesus is going to do a whole lot more than welcome and eat with sinners by the end of the Gospel of Luke. He's going to die on the cross for their sins. These righteous people are outraged that he would even eat with them. He's going to be so intricately tied to them that he will sacrifice his body and his blood for their sins. And we get this picture start to form all the way back in Luke in chapter 4, verse 18. We kind of hear what Jesus' main mission is going to be, and we read this all the way through the gospel here. Again, Luke 4, 18. Jesus speaking of himself. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he, meaning God, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So back in chapter 4, we're told that Jesus has come for these people on the edge of society. And he's seeking after them. And as he does, as he's chasing them, the righteous people of the time are looking at him going, what are you doing? How how are you going with them? They're going to rub off on you. So, How does Jesus answer them? Well, he answers them by telling three parables. And the first parable is our parable for today, the parable of the lost sheep. It goes like this. Verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep 
and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99, or doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home and then calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. And then Jesus exits out of the parable and he tells them this. Verse 7, he says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus immediately continues on, and I won't go through each one, but the next parable is the parable of the lost coin. A woman's at home and she loses one of her precious coins and she she searches over the whole house and finds it and rejoices when she finds her lost coin. And then he goes on, again, to one of our also more popular parables, the parable of the prodigal son. A son leaves his family and, and, and squanders the family's wealth and he comes home and the father welcomes him with open arms. Jesus is answering this question of the Pharisees where they look at him and they say, this man is eating and and teaching and spending time with sinners. What is he doing? This parable starts actually with with kind of a different phrase than most of the parables we've looked at. The vast majority that we've looked at in this whole series, they start with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like... So the kingdom of heaven is like... A merchant, or the kingdom of heaven is like uh, a man out in a field. You know, they just keep going. It's, it's kind of revealing what the kingdom of heaven is like. So this one doesn't, and I think it's important to look at. Jesus starts this parable by saying, Write to them, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. This is not as theoretical. This is not as, as a kind of big picture. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, What would you do if you had a hundred sheep? They've been out in the field. They've been wandering around all day. The, the, the end of the day has come. You have gathered them together. You count them off. And you realize one of your sheep has gone missing. Would you just cut your losses? Would you say, well, I have 99 sheep now. That's still a good amount of sheep. It depends on how precious that sheep is to you. Right? What? what Let's say you go on a mission trip and you bring 23 kids. At the end of the day, you count and there's 22. And you realize, gosh, little Timmy didn't come out of that gas station bathroom. And he's somewhere along the road. Of course he's precious enough to seek after. This is the message here. Of course the sheep is so precious to the shepherd that he's going to seek after them. Now, now there's a couple options here on on what he does with the other sheep. Some people say, well, the natural thing is that that shepherds would be together, so he doesn't just leave the 99 necessarily out in a field to just be attacked by wild animals. Now, they have the herd, so they're not as uh, in desperate condition as the other sheep, but, but still, they're vulnerable. So maybe there's other shepherds around, we don't know. Or maybe, and Jesus does this, maybe he's making such a radical point that he's talking so importantly about the value of that one that he is willing to risk to go seek after that one that is lost. 
You see, these sheep, they have no natural defenses. I don't know if you've spent much time around sheep. I've seen cows in the mountains. I've lived here long enough to do that. You hear them randomly. Uh, it's kind of strange. But I have not seen many sheep around. Now, sheep are weak. They're weaker than whatever hunts them. If you put one out in the wild, everything that's going to come after it is much stronger than the sheep. And they got nails, and they got claws, and the sheep doesn't stand a chance. And to make things worse, they're also slower than whatever is going to chase them. They're largely defenseless. They're weaker than their predators. Again, they're slower, they're vulnerable. Uh, without the herd and without the shepherd, they are just sitting ducks. And the sheep has wandered off, and we don't know why. We don't know if it just got lost during the day. Maybe it intentionally wandered off. We don't know why the sheep is gone, but we know that the shepherd cares for it. And we know that the shepherd is seeking after this lost sheep. We read further in the parable that this hunt for the sheep has been successful. He has found it. And what the shepherd does is he places the sheep on his own shoulders. He carries it home to safety. And we're told that he rejoices, rejoices at the finding of one sheep. He doesn't say, well, now I have a hundred again. Good day, shepherding. He calls the shepherds together. He says, my lost sheep has been found. This was so precious to me. And now he is here with me once again. He rejoices. 